0: Hi friends, my name is Landon Wietrich, my co-host is Braden Knobloch, and this is Inquire Inside. Continuing our conversation with Pastor Mark Schmidgall, you're about to hear us discuss facts, faith, and feelings, their unique roles, and how they work together. Mark also dives into biblical meditation, what that looks like, and how valuable it is. Thank you all for joining us as we inquire inside today, and we're going to jump right into the conversation.
1: Um. Mark, back to your uh, facts, truth, and faith. <clears throat> you Well, how do you, and maybe you had already touched on this, emotions dealing with uh, emotions and getting them to the point of actual facts or truth. Um, how to know when those emotions that are coming along. So we touched on a lot of the negative emotions, but also touching on some of the positive emotions sure. you feel sure. that are
2: very good. Sure, just a couple things there. One is, yeah, we've been on kind of the the negative side of things. We think of emotions, we think of warmth, affection. The more, when we can view ourselves properly, when we view ourselves the way that God views us, and we recognize the right and the authority we have in Christ, and as and and again, and I, I feel, and just my thought, I feel that as we come to learn more of who Christ is, I think we can begin to experience His love and then be in position to express and pass along that love to others. just want to really quickly share an illustration that a, uh, Matt Steffen from Princeville, Illinois shared with me in regards to feelings, facts, and faith. It might help explain it just a little bit. Um, so it, there were three men on a wall. Their names were fact, faith, and feelings. So feelings fell off the wall. And feelings, they were just all, all mangled just off the wall. And so faith had been tracking along so closely with feelings that, unfortunately, the faith fell off the wall also. So both faith and feelings, they've, they've fallen, they're down. But up, standing on top of the wall, unfazed, still standing, is fact. Fact is still there. Fact very calmly reaches down, and he lifts up faith. And as faith is lifted up, faith actually lifted up feelings as well. And so I'll kind of maybe just leave it at that. I think mm-hmm. hopefully that illustration um, is meaningful. Mm-hmm. I, I'm Yeah, so I'll just kind of let the readers ponder on that. Yeah. I, I could go into uh, commentary, but I'm not going to on it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I got
0: something, Braden, where were you gonna
2: throw no, in something?
1: Go
0: ahead, okay, go ahead. So and, and if I'm getting way off on this mark, just just stop me. But like you know, I just with, with that illustration sometime and I am guilty of this. Um I can rely or or I can respect facts over feelings and uh that's a phrase i've used before facts over feelings you know get over it forget about your feelings this is what this is reality sure and but as um and then there's also truth versus love and there's always that balance there that balance is necessary between fact and feeling, between truth and love. And I lean lean more on the side of truth. I lean more on the side of fact. And that can make me a little hard. That can make me express my convictions a little harshly. And um, so with that being... My tendency, I have to make an effort to give grace to the feelings of others, and I don't. Um, I, I like to think I'm, I, I can love. It's just what my my struggle <clears throat> nowadays is when people elevate love over truth. That all of a sudden, uh, everything becomes so shallow because it's every every we become over accepting oh every everything is equal and everything has equal value and it's like well the only thing is equal value is 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 people and um but not everybody's right i hate to break it to you some people are wrong and uh but then then that that's that's my myself speaking there just i tend to lean more that side because i get so frustrated when i look around and i see how, how shallow truth has become because um truth is relative to so many. And it's, it's, what is your truth? What's your truth? Okay, that's great. If that's what makes you happy, you roll with that. No, that's, I'm like, no, shut that down. That's not how this works. And, um, I think all of us here sitting this table would feel the same way, but what I'm, what I'm confessing right now is, um, I can take that too far to the point where, I don't show the love that I should and I don't recognize or give merit to the feelings in a way that I should. What, what do you guys think about that? That I guess that whole thing is with the, the facts versus the feelings of the truth
2: versus the, the love. Well, I really appreciate you bringing that up Landon. That that is so true because if you have a lot of love there, but little to no truth, that's a, that's exactly where the enemy wants. I mean, there's a statement that I've come up with, and it's kind of based off a scripture verse, but I think to try to tie that together, because I've wrestled with the same thing. I think most believers have. We, we just oh, yeah. do. We yeah. we do. Mm-hmm. And we all do. I have, I will act for the truth today, motivated by love. That's just a little <clears throat> statement I've made to try to piece those together. It's kind of like, If we can view others the way that Jesus viewed others, if we can feel it the way Jesus felt it, process it the way Jesus processed it, then automatically love and truth are just going to come. I mean, Jesus, he had compassion and love and truth. I mean, Jesus had some very strong words. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine calling people a a brood of snakes. I mean, in public. (laughs) but he did. Yeah. But yeah, there was a love and the truth. So that's just a thought I have.
0: <clears throat> um. Before we get away from this, and and Braden, I'm gonna I'm turning back over to you. If you had something else, but I wanted I had a note and I just don't. Maybe I maybe I touched it already. Oh, um. Isn't there a verse in? I'm embarrassed I don't know it, but about holding every thought captive. Um, well, I have my phone next, and I should just Google it. But a close friend of mine, um, his name's Eric. He encouraged that he encouraged me with that verse when I first became a Christian. He said, um, he just said, Landon, you're going to be challenged with temptation and just a lot of a lot of challenging thoughts. And he said, just remember, hold every thought captive. And, and how he explained it was, don't run with those thoughts. Don't let those thoughts take you places that you don't need to be. And just, um, forgive me, I'm backtracking a little bit to some of the things that you said earlier, Mark, but just the whole thing, like with the demons below deck, um, they they will come up have a place for those thoughts Mm -hmm. but hold hold it captive in that we don't direct our entire focus to that whether that's to fight them off or whether that's to actually flirt with them and allow ourselves to kind of linger Oh, maybe that is a good idea maybe that's not so bad so there's kind of two sides to that but either way hold it captive and and to me that says don't let those define you and don't don't dwell on them and just don't don't let them run off with you. Don't let them consume you.
2: Absolutely. That's a great point. Mm -hmm.
1: You're, uh, I I would agree. I feel this. I I think it's a good struggle that every believer should have is wrestling with those (laughs) love versus truth. And, and I can say in my own spiritual walk, I've swung to both sides of the spectrum, uh, and neither were healthy. Um, and, so if anyone's listening who's currently uh going through that fantastic but um i yeah my natural tendency is as i only care about results like Hmm. i don't really care about anything else like well like that's 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 not a good thing and sometimes it's really not it's really unhealthy because if that's where you find your worth in results is that's that's not good that's not good at all um but when you look through we read books we read we look at the stories we we look at the statues i mean um of of early leaders of you know like what do we still talk about till this day about those individuals is the results that transformed because of them right and so i still deal and this Probably will be a lifelong battle, I guess. I'm I'm asking you, Mark. Um, where devotion, in which I want to get into more questions on de- on your morning devotion and routine and stuff. But at some point, we do have to act, and and trying to find out if that calling is divine is is from God or, um, because there's a saying that I really like, and it and has served. So truth, I think it was John. Uh, I can't think of his last name, but he said God is most satisfied with us when we are most satisfied in Him. And I really, I really like that because it's it's basically doing exactly what you're saying. Whatever those emotions are, demons are attacking us, is remembering who we are in the light of Scripture. And we should actually talk about. That. I think we need to talk about what Scripture actually says about us as believers and as his children but um to kind of defeat <clears throat> the dark thoughts we have about, or negative thoughts that we have about ourselves right and then also being okay with with uh, um, with good emotions and mm. and good pleasures when we are satisfied mm. in him there's no shame in that yeah. um right but we but again that can be blown out of proportion way <laughs> too fast i'm not you know we have to be cautious of that so um what are you I mean I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I mean like is Mark are is Mark okay? Like you are you the CEO of the company? Are you not the CEO? Okay. Are you not the founder of of I don't know some other company you want to go start or like how do you find that balance of I'm just not pushing myself hard enough versus if I go down this path that's not a call from God, right? Mm-hmm. So like you pursue something and you want to pursue it just to prove a point, like I can do this and I'll prove it to you that I can. Though it's completely worthless in the scope of eternity versus God might actually be calling you to that. Like, how do you find that?
0: You're asking him, like, I, would, how does he know which is which?
1: Yeah, I'm asking him all the above. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, good G- questions. <laughs> I'll just share my thoughts. I, I don't, yeah, I guarantee there's a lot of people that have far better ideas than I do. <clears throat> Probably just the thought I would have in my mind, or at least what I've tried to use, is will this lead me into relationship with god mm. and others or not okay so here's an example let's just say that it's something where hey it might lead me closer to god but i can see it might start pulling me away from my family well if it's so then that would be something i would probably step away from so that's kind of just how i look at it does it lead me Closer to relationship with God and with good and godly relationships, or does it pull me further away? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's yep. probably what I can think of right now. What I would look for relationship, because I think that the enemy wants <coughs> our relationships with obviously with God and with others damaged, broken, right? broken.
1: Yeah, yep. that's, that's some wisdom. Absolutely.
2: I mean, for example, I've heard too where someone said, Well, God just wanted me to divorce or step away from my wife. I mean they said they said, God, that's just that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Right. But there but there's a, a good example where, hey, even mm-hmm. though this person really felt like God was directing them to step away from their wife, the reason we can, you know, confidently say that's false is that God has called, of course, a husband and wife to be in a one relationship. Mm-hmm. That's a very extreme example. Right, but, right. Um,
0: you're making me think about so many things with that. I think both Braden, and <laughs> got our pens up and wrote that down just yeah. because <clears throat> we're asking ourselves that question every day, like, is this endeavor?
1: Well, at, at a young age, I think everyone our age with young family are coming out of school or like, it's like, so what do I spend my time? Like. You're, tw- you're in your 20s. It's like, God willing, you've got 50, 60 years easily on this earth yet. It's like, well, I don't want to go 30 years down the wrong path. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we, we're, we're, you're a lot, I think it's a lot of younger ones are asking these questions.
0: And and, and what's the right thing to do? Right. That's, you know, w- w- what do you do? But that what you said right there helps so much. And <clears throat> am, I'm... Right now, here, just sitting here, I'm reflecting on some of the some of my own in, endeavors,
2: and I'm assessing. <laughs> yeah, and and I think too, maybe kind of coming from a younger a younger person's perspective as far as for relationships. So if I do this, what what will this have on the relationship with my parents? Now, not that necessarily the parents always have the exact right thought, but here's the thing: if we're engaging the things that are creating a strain. <coughs> We need to really really be cautious because the parent child relationship is very important to God. It's just just a thought. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's it's one of the 10 commandments, honor your your yeah. father and mother and and I I appreciate how you said Mark it's be very cautious because there that doesn't necessarily mean you should throw it out altogether. Correct. But but just like I said <clears throat> assess that be very cautious and I would say be ready and willing to 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 pivot
1: if necessary um uh, I backing up a little bit but mark I appreciate you didn't place when you were getting attacked early on you didn't place the blame on anyone else because mm. really mark I don't I don't know your dad John very well but from what I do know of him it's it's it seems crazy. Like there's this belief out there that if we raise good kids or if we raise, if we, if we're brought up in a good family that we won't necessarily wrestle with these things. Well, your dad, from what I, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain him. I mean, he's salt of the earth kind of guy and you are yeah. still
2: wrestling with this stuff. So sure. I, I think what that means is that these types of thoughts and <clears throat> challenges will come regardless of of yeah. they transcend yep. maybe families and so on and so forth I had another thought but I forgot what it was So it's probably our fault No <laughs> it, I, That's but,
1: fine and if you need some time to think we can pause Yeah that's, you, you, you can go ahead I <clears throat> So I do want
0: to transition yeah. to to like the the meditation that you yeah. were talking yeah. about but did yeah. you have uh, um, how...
1: Yeah no I want to get into that but I want to make sure that you're all right with uh y- the emotions and true side of things. I would like devotion. We need to get into faith yet at some point as well. Um, So let's start off with uh, devotions and what that looks like. Yeah.
2: So really one of the key things really with devotion is just to be able to sit with the truth and to learn about who God is. And there's thoughts, too, when we talk about these whole things, about the enemy leading us captive, and so on and so forth, there is tremendous amounts of study coming out on the human brain and even though we haven't even scratched the surface but what they're learning is they talk about what they call neural pathways and that is when there is a trigger there's actual like you think about ruts in the dirt or that happens in our brains like we have there are ruts that get formed like a trigger happens and we just always have this thought we always we're thinking and that's how we get in these ruts and when we when these ruts are developed in our brain, it is I don't want to say impossible, but it, it's virtually impossible to get out of that rut without some with without some real work. However, what they're learning is is that neur- those neural pathways they can be changed. You don't have to be trapped or defined by that rut forever. So you can actually change the way your brain. When there's a trigger, it can be the same trigger, but you can change how your brain reacts and thinks. <clears throat> And so that, which shows us really more, I think that deepens our faith in God and that, oh yeah, so this is why God says that, hey, we can over, we can replace maybe bitterness with compassion. You know, our our brains can change. We do have the capability, but to get from that point, it requires a tremendous amount of work and effort on our part. And I think a big part that's been really helpful for me, and I think for others is biblical meditation. And even there's another, personalizing the truth to ourselves and so really quickly biblical meditation is where we just we sit quietly we just still our minds we try to minimize distractions it's probably impossible to get away from all distractions but we try to minimize it and this is quality time and quality and we sit quietly and we just listen sit with his truth and we're also what I'm gonna call a word non-judgmental in other words We recognize that there's a lot of different thoughts that are negative thoughts coming in our mind, but we are non-judgmental in that we don't beat ourselves up for having those thoughts or we don't. For myself, it was like this. Even though I felt uneasy, I felt like, do I really believe in God, all these different things? I just let those be. I didn't. I tried not to judge myself and just sit with the truth. I remember that's something that Sally said, just learn to just sit with the truth. And just learn about who Jesus is. Learn who they are. How did they engage others? What? And so, in, in doing that, and this has to be a consistent practice, it can begin changing these pathways in our brain. It can help, you know, if, if we had been... Yeah, I, I mean, you know, from from bitterness to compassion or... Even for myself, I was, my brain was trained to when a thought would come, I'd take it so seriously, it would just consume and gobble up my mind. And uh, Now to step into personalizing the Scripture, <clears throat> to really to, to shift the Scripture to where it's kind of speaking directly to us. So in other words, it, it helps us to, maybe if I have an example here, where we modify the verse to use personal pronouns, such as I, my, and me, to make the verse speak directly to us. We just sit with that personalized truth, and we strive to carry that personalized truth with us through the day, and here's what I think can happen. Eventually, as we fill our minds with these personalized promises, we will come to know our identity in God's eyes, recognize the power available to us, and we will commit to do the truth. I think just this helps. We want to define ourselves the way that God defines us. So often we define ourselves in in very poor ways, like as a failure, or I'm the black sheep of the family, or I'm I'm a burden, or I can't really do anything right, and so many different things. But we look in the Bible. Maybe it says this. We like Psalm 139. It says. It says, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. <clears throat> so in other words, we could say something like, well, God's thoughts toward me are precious. Or just one more here quick, then I'll give you guys time to step in. But it says in, in Ephesians, we says we are his workmanship or handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works. We could modify that and say, I am God's handiwork. And I was created in Christ Jesus for good. Good, we've been created for good, and so the the enemy could say, "Boy, I, I just my family would be better off if I just left." That's a big one. As I think probably as fathers and husbands, we think about the times we mess up, and boy, my family they'd just be better off if I just left, if I just died, if I just walked away from it all. Or we we can get caught up in our minds that hey, we're like just bad is coming from us. There's this aura of badness just coming from us, but that's so—that's not true. Again, we go to the Scripture. It says, I was created in Christ Jesus for good. The enemy wants us to view ourselves negatively. He wants us to come from a wrong starting point so that we, we begin from a wrong starting point, and so then we are not able to adequately pass along the love and compassion of Christ. Here's, here's different things. Here's different lies we tell ourselves. I'm a failure. I can't do it. I'm a burden. People pretend to like me. I'll never make it. I'm boring. It's always my fault. I'm not worth loving. I am ugly. I don't belong. People are just better off without me. And on and on. These thoughts, if when we dwell on them, we will not view ourselves properly. Super quick example again. This is something I, I no experience with. I can only speak of it. But like a sprint race. I was slow, so I can't speak to this. But think about this for a moment. All the sprinters at the beginning of the race, they're all lined up and they're all lined up in their blocks. And what I hear is that it's very important to get a great start out of the blocks so that you can have, hopefully have a successful race. Well, here's what the enemy tries to do. When, when, he, when he tries to cause us to, to define ourselves wrongly, he wants us to start from a wrong starting point. So it's like this. As sprinter going out of the blocks, the devil is trying to trip them up, to hobble them right from the beginning, right from that starting point. Because when you start wrong, you will not have a successful race. We've got to start ourselves recognizing who we are in Christ, the authority and the power that we have in Christ. Um, I'm going to stop there and let you add in here. <clears throat> You want to go ahead or you want me to? Go, go ahead. I,
1: from a listener's perspective, I'm trying to figure out those that aren't engaged in biblical meditation, what are your recommends on, what are your recommendations on starting? Obviously, we've got a solid church family we can rely on heavily, like we know those who we can go to and and, and gleam wisdom and so on and so forth. But those that, that don't are, this is new to them.
2: Sure. There, there are some very <laughs> practical things too, all built into this. And I'm, I'm, thank you, Braden, for kind of getting me kind of bringing that up. <clears throat> One of the things <clears throat> I've tried to do too, and, <clears throat> um, is deep breathing where it kind of helps us just kind of say, just, Helps. We, we want to try to still our minds so that our minds can be engaged in what's right. Another thing, just being out in nature, just trying to recognize and look at the good things around us. And just trying to be still and trying to step out of a lot of the chaos. These are just very practical steps that are good in any kind of setting. And, and, and whether we seek spiritual or maybe not even necessarily spiritual, maybe more even recreational. These are still very beneficial and necessary. Mm-hmm. Okay. go ahead.
1: Oh, I just was gonna say because I think we've got honestly, I mean, I'll just this is I could be proven wrong, but I think we there's a lot of believers even within the church that um, are are taking it easy. I mean they've they've went through some excruciating things, they've grown. And then they just choose to float around at sea. I, I think we see that a lot. Um, so this is not just a message to the unchurch goer, but but also to those that are in church. Maybe now is a time to reevaluate and say, "Am I just floating around here, or what am I pursuing and and what are the fruits that are you know coming from my life because of my sure. attachment to the vine of of Christ?" So. And
0: just, I've heard about meditation my whole life. If you, if you grew up in the church and now there's, there's, you know, like a, like a sexual, secular, excuse me, (laughs) secular type of meditation. There probably Um. is that too. (laughs) There's secular meditation as well. And, um, but the thing is, I, I think, uh, again like i heard about it my whole life but i a lot of us are like well what what, what does that even look like and so i i appreciate mark you kind of shedding some light on that and that's just it's it's quality time it's it's being still it's truly being present in the moment and um i i think it's truly like being in a in a mental and physical place where you can actually listen to the voice of god where you're where you're able to hear the voice and that that, that comes down to, it, it's, a, it's a mental part in that we have to, we want to kind of guard our thoughts, but at the same time, like we talked about earlier, don't spend so much effort fighting the thoughts. So it, it's a way, it's, it's kind of like relaxing our mind, relaxing our mental effort, mm-hmm. like you, you kind of touched on that earlier, Mark. But then there's also the physical distractions. You know, you, mm-hmm. you want you to have the kids run around right next to you or, or have your phone right next to you, whatever. Um, so that's just is this making sense mark is is it am i yes yeah, on, so on track? absolutely absolutely and so i I appreciate you kind of again shedding some light on this because it's I think it's something like oh yeah, yeah, meditate, you I mean, read the bible meditate, that's you know what your devotion should like well that's well, for a young Christian you know in their in their early teens preteen whatever like well what a, what does that look like mm-hmm. you know <laughs>
1: right. i think I think you also might need a little bit of at least I'm looking at myself. If I, if I look and I examine my early years, there was some awesome individuals that helped guide me through some of those, those times when you, you, at least I needed someone to bounce some of those things off of right away. Mm. Right. Because you don't know, at least I didn't know how to sit and dwell and to be calm amongst all the flying arrows. I didn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Like that took practice. Um, And, and so to those that are getting discouraged or trying this, if you know of someone who can, um, be there and help you walk through those things very subtly, I mean, two, three, four weeks of, of practice would be not, not an issue at all. At least I remember that being a big help. Don't think you're completely nuts for thinking the things that you're thinking, right? Um. And have someone there to help you anyway so that that was one of the things that that helped me a ton um
0: just it all comes down to just truly being intentional with it mm-hmm. s- schedule it mm-hmm. and um truly recognize that this is this is quality time like you said mark and and realize that this is this is spiritual nourishment i've heard it said before like well don't go for a week without eating and then, and then complain that you're hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing. Don't go you know, for a long periods of time without that, that devotional time, that, that spiritual <coughs> nourishment, and then wonder why God seems so far away. Yeah.
1: Do you do anything? So this is morning, right? That you're.
2: Yeah. Essentially. Yes. Yeah.
1: And is there anything at noon or in the afternoon? Do you take a 15 minute walk or 15 minute break and, And then I'm assuming
2: you resume some of this in the evening as well, or this is. Pretty well, this is during the morning because it's usually the quietest time. Mm -hmm. And what I've found for myself is if I start waiting later in the day, the day and all the activities are picking up where it's very difficult for me to just to still and quiet my mind down. And so it's usually in the morning. Yeah, yeah.
1: That makes most sense. Do you have anything else you want to, I was going to ask a personal question. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just was I just was you know Mark where you're at today. Obviously this is a very difficult question. None of us know but but essentially where do you see this taking Mark? This Mark that is at peace. This Mark that um not that the road will be easy and there's going to be things that that come up but but where, what do you envision coming of this?
2: My desire really is to be able to look outside of my own brain and to recognize the needs of other and to be fully present and engaged and passing along the love of Christ to others I still with with Sally with my children I I've got some real work to go on that yet Mm -hmm. there are some still some strongholds in my life as far as for wanting to defend myself insisting that I'm right making sure that people understand me properly there's some and they're very self-focused and um i i want to know christ i want to know of his humility he said that come and learn of me i'm meek and lowly in heart so i think that's really where i i want to be i'm trying to to get there is to step into these life-giving relationships to step into, to strengthen them, to build them, to be able to actually <clears throat> express warmth and affection that has been not very present for so long. Mm-hmm. I, I really want it for, for Sally and for my family first.
1: Because
2: mm-hmm. it's kind of like I can do all this meditation, I can do all this stuff, but if Sally doesn't see it or feel it, I don't want to say it's worthless. I mean, we can't say that, but, right? Right. But it's like, where am I? Yeah. And, and that's a real thing right now for me. I'll be very honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to do some reevaluating. I've,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but that's kind of my thought. Oh, well, I don't. I don't
1: think you're alone on that, Lane. And I've talked about that a lot. It's yeah. just, uh, knowledge is is in abundance. Wisdom is sometimes <laughs> in scarcity. As far as and we find that in our, in our own selves. We, uh, will go through, uh, the processes and we will get to, um, a place of growth or a place of, of humility. And then we somehow come out of it. All right. Are we somehow come out of the process of application? Right. Um, so, no, oh, that's, that's good. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And it, and it's really, I mean, it's, it's it's also convicting to the listeners as well because there is a point to where it's like the fruit should start to show. Otherwise, you should maybe start, you know, switching some things up. Um, And your spouse and your children are the first to notice that or the workplace should be first to notice that.
0: You know, just taking a A step back here for a second um we're all we're all wanting to know and we touched on this earlier but like what what's what do I need to be doing what's going to have the best outcome but it all comes down to what I think is just um being able to hear that voice being able to hear that still small voice Because if, again, if, if you keep on asking God, like, what do I need to be doing? Am I, or, 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 you know, kind of reassessing with God, like, is what I'm doing is, is this right? And if you're, if that's just kind of a fleeting prayer versus are you investing that time, that deep time with him, that quiet time with him, I think you're going to get, get a lot better results and not results, but you know what I'm saying? You're, you're going to hear that voice much better if you're intentional with that time and uh, in, in, in the word and in prayer. If you're truly seeking direction in your life, this is where it truly comes from. Is is what's what's your, how intimate is your relationship like with Christ, and I, and just I mark the point that you're making here today is this is really the root of it all that
2: that that
0: one-on-one time with Him.
2: Absolutely, and I appreciate you. you've kind of shared the concept of still small voice. I think that's also and we just. Meditate and just quiet everything down. I think that's when we can finally start to hear the still, small voice. It's kind of like, well, why do I never hear God speaking to me through the day? It's because our minds are so filled with clutter and chaos and activity. That's why we actually have to make the effort to slow down, step back, sit quietly at Jesus' feet, if you will, Mm -hmm. and listen. Just quiet down and just listen. And he will speak in a very still, small voice.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I think, too, we learn of him. We learn of him. Because what our desire is, a desire for all Christians, is to view everything the way that he views things. That's what we desire. Mm-hmm. We want to see others the way that Jesus sees others. We want to engage others the way that Jesus engaged others. And that can only happen when we take the time, this deep, this devotional time. One of the fears I have is that in this current age, we're so, it's just these short YouTube clips, these short clips. Mm -hmm. Our attention span is so minimal. Like even this podcast, I'm thankful for this podcast because it's like, this is the opposite of a short clip. This is a deep discussion, but I think that the minds of the generation is... I even feel for myself, too, we're all used to looking at this quick YouTube clip. Man, our, our focus is so minimal, and that is so not what God calls us to. That is not... That doesn't work in this devotion deep time, this quality time with God. Yeah. So we have to resist... That's a good comparison. Yeah. yeah, we have to resist this urge just for a short <clears throat> clip. Short clips with God doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Yeah, and
1: there's plenty of scripture to back that up. <laughs> well, that's yes. not the kind of relationship he wants with us. Right. right. I, Mark, maybe touch on this a little bit. There's moments in our devotions where, um, again, I have to be careful because the devotions sometimes are very emotional and you can just feel the the Spirit's presence and, um, at least I've had this experience to where the rest of the world, the rest of the day, the rest of the task just seem meaningless because your morning hour or your morning half hour, whatever it is for you, you just felt like you were in the presence of God and the rest just is just blah.
2: Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, I understand that. And I think that's just where when that happens, I think just <clears throat> reminding ourselves to stay present in the task we're engaged with. So even though we maybe it, it it feels like it's meaningless to still do that task anyway. Often many of the tasks we do is out of duty and responsibility, so it's right and good that we do those things regardless of how we feel. And I think another thing too is that we really love this the when, when we sometimes have these very feelings of closeness to God, it's, it's wonderful. But at least for myself, it doesn't happen all that often. Right. And I think God actually designed it that way. We're not going to have the—it's it's not going to be nonstop feeling of closeness to God until we're in heaven. Mm-hmm. It's just—so <clears throat> even though it feels like the task—and I have the same thing—it feels like it's meaningless— we just say, I'm going to stay present and I'm going to do it anyway, out of duty and responsibility. Does, does that still happen when you've got to preach? Does does your preaching become? So really, kind of, with the preaching, it's like, I really, it's kind of the same. I, I just want to quiet myself and I want to listen hmm. so that the Holy Spirit can speak truth, really, to all of us. It's very easy, unfortunately, for myself to get You know, I know my own agenda in there. I can get caught up in kind of some wrong attitudes. And there's all kinds of hosts of different vices we could all think of in public speaking. But it's just like, this is an opportunity the Lord has given me. And I just want to be quiet and to just listen.
1: Um, Maybe, well, we're over two hours already, but maybe speak on maybe speak on uh faith a little bit
2: um and how that
0: And no last take away if there was something else that you were going to yeah, touch on Yeah for
2: sure. The only thing I can think of is maybe the concept of shame versus conviction. Oh yes. Yeah. Maybe really quickly on faith again just a thought I have and is faith is not predicated on having the right feeling. I think that was a trap I fell into a lot where um so many times spending time mentally trying to generate the right feelings but faith is not feeling you can do faith is doing Mm -hmm. so we can step and do what god wants us to do even though we're internally maybe our every ounce in our every muscle or whatever every being of our body is saying don't do it or i'm scared or i'm worried or all this but faith is actually doing it so it can be easy to be discouraged when internally my entire body is screaming this way the wrong way when i still step and do the right thing but here's the thing you acted in faith quick example i was visiting with a young man once who it was very important for him he he was going to go to a family reunion and he was going to have to board an airplane to go to the family reunion And as he was getting ready to board the plane, all of a sudden he got hit with a wall of just anxiety and fear. And I think it was the enemy was trying to prevent him from going to this family reunion. So he was filled with anxiety and fear and dread and all that. But yet, here's the thing. He stepped onto the airplane. So you see, he acted in faith. Even though he felt fear inside, The doing was stepping onto the airplane and that is what God values in fact when our body is screaming at us internally to do this wrong thing and we choose to do the right thing I wonder I sometimes wonder if that is a powerful form of worship to God you know as men sometimes screaming to look at this lustful thing or especially if a person is struggles with, say, pornography, and there's such this allure, this draw, of course, to kind of get, look. And when every ounce of our body is screaming at us to, to go onto our phone or to look at the bad thing, and we say, no, I'm not going to, could that maybe be a powerful form of worship? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a thought there. <clears throat> Maybe before we go into, you have any thoughts there? Otherwise, yeah, certainly the shame versus conviction. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't want to take us off to, to a completely different direction, Mark. But like, w- what if someone could argue that that was God telling him not to step on that airplane? But how would maybe that be perceived differently? How could he maybe know or, or differentiate whether this was of, of the spirit of God versus, you know?
2: That, that's a good question. Right. I, I know this. When he attended the family reunion, it was very helpful and beneficial and important for him to make those connections. Okay. Okay. So I think that's, in this case, we know it was of God to go because he was called to engage. And um, it, it was important mm-hmm. that he—this was strengthening— good and godly relationships, his family.
0: Mm. Versus, let's say, if it was something, this event that he was going to, maybe it was something that was going to draw him away from other relationships. Certainly. You know, if he would have had a similar motion before stepping on the plane, that would have been of a different spirit.
2: Maybe if he was boarding the plane, he was going to go with some old school friends to Cancun for a a wedding. You know, I mean, then... Yes. If you do get a wall of anxiety, it may be the spirit saying, you know what? This may not be spiritually healthy for you. Mm -hmm. Go ahead.
1: Right. Well, no, I just was thinking because there is other times where fear. Well, yeah, it also some. yeah, Yeah. It stops us from doing sometimes the things that we need that we need to do. And I guess looking at the outcome or looking at the purpose Making sure that the outcome is something that would draw us into relationship, certainly, the certainly,
0: outcome. for mm-hmm. sure. Because again, going back to the whole analogy of floating along on that boat, you know, if uh, it can be pretty easy just to not approach any of those challenges that that bring fear and just mm-hmm. keep on, keep on floating. Like, well, I'm not really doing anything wrong, but um, I guess I'm trying to like going back to what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Resistance isn't isn't a bad sign. Fear, if, if you're fearful,
2: that's not a bad sign. Correct. Mm-hmm. The the bad thing with fear is when we listen to fear and when we withdraw and do not step into mm-hmm. what God calls us to. Yeah. That's that's the thing with fear. Yeah.
0: What were we going to get into? Uh, you, uh, it was con-
2: conviction. Shame. shame. Okay, yeah. let's about yeah. that. Okay. So yeah, just kind of uh, briefly. So really, shame— is when we're hiding. We're not wanting to bring things in the secret, and that's how the enemy thrives. It's when we begin to bring things into the open. That's how we begin to expose and to root out the harmful influences of the enemy, and we read that in the Bible, but I think one of the, the voice of shame is ultimately, it comes down to this, you are outside of the love and grace of God. You have no hope. You can never change. And... Many times I think we can feel like this. Another part of shame is, well, maybe I'll give another illustration. I was recently at a, well, I was visiting Ames. My oldest son goes to Iowa State University, and I was with my brother-in-law and his family. We were together at a pizza place in Des Moines. Anyway, at the end, they come with the bill, the check, on a little, I don't know, plate or a little tab. And, and it had a saying taped on there and that saying really stood with me i took a picture of it but it said this remember when you make a mistake you are not the mistake Mm. so here's shame says you are the mistake you are outside of the grace and the love of god you have no hope conviction is you are not your mistake you are a separate entity from your mistake So as you have chosen your mistake, you likewise can choose good. You can choose to repent, acknowledge your sin, do the right thing to deal with it, and move on. You are within the grace and love of God. You can change. There is hope. When we're ashamed, it's like we're so scared, like if I would share this, my spouse will leave me, or these people will laugh at me, or I'll... It'll harm my reputation. All these different things that they scare us if we would bring this to light. But even as these different things, they start maybe as they keep taking deep, deeper root in our lives and we start developing worse attitudes and yet we know we need to expose it, but it's so hard because we're afraid of what other people are going to think. But that's shame. And then we start thinking, I, I think the ultimate and the deepest, the darkest place that shame can bring, bring us is when we say I am a complete failure. I think that is the end goal where the enemy and shame wants to take us. I am a complete failure. I am just condemned. And that's when people start even harboring thoughts of taking their lives. Uh The truth is no. Conviction is we feel bad, but we recognize. And another thing about shame is it's always there. It's like we can try to deal. There's no tangible thing we can point to that we can correct or deal with that'll make the bad feeling goes away. It's just always there. With conviction, we know what we did wrong. God says, this is what it was. And when we deal with it, the conviction goes away. There, you know, We can actually do something. We can make a choice to do something. There's hope there. So sometimes it can kind of seem like there's a it's similar between shame and conviction, but there's not at all. Shame is the way of the enemy, the way of isolation and disconnection. Conviction is a way of God. It's a way of growth. It's the way of growth, the way, conviction.
0: All right. A special thank you to Mark for coming on the podcast. Again, we'll have his contact information in the show notes if you would like to connect with him. Make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram, at Inquire Inside. Thank you all so much for tuning in today, and we'll catch you next time.